0: Part One, Chapter I of *The Power of a Lie* by Johann Boye, translated by Jesse Muir. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The night was falling as Knut Norby drove homewards in his sledge from a meeting of the school committee. The ice on Lake musen had not been safe for some little time, and he had promised his wife to go round by the high road. But various annoyances in the course of the day had irritated the old man, and down by the craggy promontory he suddenly tightened the reins and turned off on to the ice. It has borne others already to-day, he thought, and there is no reason why it shouldn't bear me. The horse pricked up its ears, and stepped timidly over the rough ice, but Knut roused it with a smart touch of the whip, and the sledge bounded from hummock to hummock until it reached the smooth shining surface of the lake when one annoyance follows close upon another the feeling induced is like that of a blow falling upon a place where there is a wound already first of all to-day the old man had been outvoted in a school committee matter it was against that wretched parish schoolmaster when in the midst of this annoyance his son-in-law came and asked for a fresh advance upon his inheritance it seemed to the old man like downright extortion but when an hour later He heard that Vangen, the merchant, had failed, the couple of thousand kronas, for which he himself was liable, assumed the proportions of an overwhelming calamity. "'I shall soon be keeping half the parish,' he thought. People really seem to be doing their very best to rob me of my last shilling.' The horse was a long black stallion, with a red-brown wavy mane and easy motion the old man himself was almost hidden in a great bearskin coat with the collar turned up the darkness was beginning to fall out on the ice and one by one lights appeared in the farms upon the snow-covered country surrounding the bay and how when my wife gets to know of this he thought as the sledge-bells jingled and the ice flew from the horses hoofs he had put his name to wangen's paper without her knowledge it must have been about three or four years ago and the guarantee was to help wangen to obtain larger credit with a merchant in the capital and even earlier than that he had promised his wife not to stand surety for any one at all for they had lost quite enough and now how in the world did he manage to fool me that time thought knut but even the wisest men have their weak moments when they are good and kind they were both in town and Wangen had stood a good dinner at the Karl Johan Hotel. And afterwards this happened. That had been an expensive dinner. And now, with the feeling of dread at the prospect of having to stand shamefaced before his wife, and confess that he had broken his word, Norby felt a rising dislike to Wangen, who was, of course, to blame for it all. He knew what he was about, that fellow, with his dinner and involuntarily the old man began to recall a number of bad things about Vangen. There was a kind of self-defence in feeling enraged with him. The shadows of the fir-trees grew black, and the stars came out, while a fiery streak in the west glowed through the darkness and threw a glare upon the ice. It shone upon the plating of the harness and sledge, and cast long shadows of man and horse, that steadily kept pace with their owners scarcely a living being was to be seen on the desolate expanse a solitary fisherman was visible at his hole far out where the red reflection met the pointed shadows of the mountains and out at the promontory might be seen a little dot of a man moving out from the land dragging a sledge after him and herlofsson of rood won't he be delighted norby being himself of a combative disposition and hard in his dealings with others imagined that a number of persons were always on the watch to pick a quarrel with him if he did a good stroke of business in timber his first feeling was one of satisfaction as he thought how they will envy me and in unfortunate transactions he did not care a rap about the money he lost he was only troubled at the thought that it was now the turn of other people to exult he was now out in the middle of the ice and had passed from the fiery reflection into the dark shadows. The horse heard sledge-bells near the shore, and without slackening its pace raised its head and neighed. "'Suppose the ice were to give way,' thought the old man with a cold shiver of apprehension. His father, a wealthy old peasant, was once driving a heavy load of polished granite blocks across the lake. When the ice began to give loud reports, and to bend under the weight, the old man, unwilling to throw off any of the valuable blocks, in order to lighten the load, knelt down and prayed. "'If only thou wilt let me get safely to land, I'll send ten bushels of my best barley to the pastor.' He got to the land, but when he stood on the shore, he looked back across the ice with a chuckle, saying, "'I had him there.' and the pastor got no barley. The sledge-bells rang out their clear, bright, silvery tones, but all the time the old man sat thinking the ice was giving way. If I go through, it will probably be because I didn't want to go to the sacrament next Sunday, he thought, for when he left home he had half-promised his wife to call at the clerks, and give in their names for the sacrament but at the last moment the old pagan had come to life within him and he had driven past the clerk's house it's against my conscience he had said to himself i don't believe in the sacrament scarcely in the redemption even there were two different men in knut norby one of these had acquired ideals at school at the parsonage in his travels and from all kinds of books but when on the death of his father knut had had to take over the farm he had little by little developed some traits of his father's character the old man still seemed present among the farm hands in the bank books in the great forest in unsettled bargains and above all in the norby family's standing in the countryside it seemed natural to canute to continue to be a part of his father and often when he was about to settle some new timber transaction he would suddenly feel as if he actually were that father and would involuntarily see with his father's eyes use his father's artifices and have his father's conscience the other knut norby busied himself with books and with political and religious questions whenever the first had nothing to do i ought to have given in our names for that sacrament all the same he said to himself when he saw that he was still a long way from the shore it's all very well with ideas and that sort of thing but it's not at all certain there'll be enough when we come before the judgment seat however there would still be time to send word to the clerk if only he got safely to land at last he reached the firm frosty highroad and breathed freely once more he let the horse walk as it was in a perspiration but it wanted to get home to its stable and soon broke into a trot again in the wood, the sledge-bells sounded loud and clear. The fir-trees stretched their snow-laden branches overhead, leaving here and there a glimpse of the starry sky above. Norby was now passing farms with lights in the windows. The largest of them, standing up on the hill, was Rud, which Norby's enemies maintained was larger than Norby's place. It was here that his great rival lived, the wealthy Mads herlufsen of Rud. Norby could see this farm from his own sitting-room window and as time went on it became impossible for him to think of herlufsen without seeing in his mind's eye his farm buildings the woods around the hill behind the whole thing like a troll with its head towards the sky and it was all Mauds herlufsen sitting there and keeping watch upon norby and now when he hears this how he will exult his worries which had vanished in the possibility of danger out on the ice now returned and he recollected having seen Wangen intoxicated on several occasions in town and that's the man i've helped at last he turned up an avenue at the end of which could be seen the dark mass of the norby buildings against the fir-clad slope in the large dwelling-house there were lights in only two or three of the windows a large black dog came bounding towards knut with delighted barks leaping up in front of the horse which snapped at it the stableman came with a lantern and held the horse while norby stiff with sitting so long got slowly out of the sledge beams of light flickered across the snow from lanterns passing in and out of the doors of the cowsheds and stables that surrounded the large farmyard on three sides to the left of the barn a separate little dwelling-house in which lived as pensioners old disabled servants whom norby would not allow to become a burden upon the parish put a cloth over the horse and don't give him water just yet said he to the stableman as whip in hand he tramped up the steps to the house followed by the dog end of chapter 1